What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 74 of the podcast, and we are very excited you're able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that's what the show aims to do. We're going to be interviewing an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to talk about the mistakes they may or may not have made and how they plan to move forward from those mistakes. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? We've all done it. I've done it. Brad Chester literally did it in the last episode. So that just tells you something right there. Now, we're going, once again, for the third time back to Chicago. We're going to be talking about Chicago U.S. Open, and we're going to be talking about, again, I'm very sorry, Tyranids, but a different flavor. We're not going for the standard Leviathan craziness. We're going to be talking about the the. What is it? What would you say? The combat-y, the very, very spore-miney Kraken variant of this list. And we're going to be talking about a game they played into Chaos Marines. Now, this is part one of the podcast. So in this part, we'll be analyzing the game, talking about common secondaries, mistakes. We'll be talking about the target priority and a little bit of something in there between. Who knows what we'll bring in. Now, part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com, we will be talking about strategies, list adjustments. We'll be talking about new things this player plans to do into your army, my army, every army under the sun. And don't forget the very, very elusive elite player mindset. Now, of course, I am your co-host and host today, Blake Law, because Brad Chester, of course, is not with me today. And I'm very sad, but the ghost is Brad still haunts this episode. My guest today needs no introduction. He is a champion of basically everything under the sun as well. He's won a lot of events. He's won a lot of events this year. He won Games Workshop Seattle. He's won. John, what else have you won this year? You've won a lot of stuff. Um, uh, I haven't won that much this year. I won Games Workshop Seattle earlier. Uh, I won the uh, Crucible Major in Orlando. Yep. I uh, top forward a whole bunch of different events. Uh, but uh, actually, not not too many first places this year. But we're we're hanging on. We're uh, my spirit remains unbroken. We're, you remain unbroken, man. Back. You've been in the fight every event this year. This is ladies and gentlemen, John Lennon. Let me just go ahead and introduce him. I'm very excited you're with us. It's been a long time. I didn't realize how long it's been. It's been over a year, man. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. Uh, it's been too long, but uh, I've been trying to remain unbroken in your absence. But uh, that's okay. I am here to talk about it. I'm excited to be on the show. Uh, excited to be hanging out with you tonight, Blake. Yeah, I'm real excited, man. And you, I, I, I didn't really think about this, but you've been the mix. Like at every event you've been to, it's been like, Lennon may win this thing. And so that has to put you somewhere near the top of the ITC going into the end of the season here. Yeah, I, uh, I'd have to double check. Uh, last week, I was in the top five of the ITC. I haven't played anything since then, so I haven't looked to see if it changed. But uh Maybe I got passed, but uh, I imagine I'm still hanging around the top 10. But uh, I uh, jumped up to the top five after Chicago was input. So I'm I'm hanging around the top there. We're getting there. You're you're going to win Kansas City, though. I put the juju on you, and I feel like you're going to – this is this is the event, man. This is where it's happening. You know what, Blake? I uh, I believe you. I'm going to do my best. Uh, we'll Good. find out a uh, couple short days. So what do you think you, – so you've done a lot of the U.S. series this year. They've made some adjustments as to how the events run. What do you think about it? 
Uh, I really like the uh, the U.S. Open Terrain Series, and like I, I really like the events in general. Uh, big wins for me are uh, the fact that it's an eight-rounder mm-hmm. and that it's usually in a city with a major airport, so it's not too hard to get to. I really like the terrain format. I think that it's very good for creating ballast games. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It gets a little bit repetitive sometimes because uh, the U.S. Open Terrain is the same every single game. But yeah. I like that you can plan for it. So I, I've really enjoyed the U.S. Open uh, Series. Again, I'm planning to go to the Kansas City Open uh, in uh, just a few short days. No, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I think uh, the the one thing that I wish they did was uh, they lined up the missions in a different order uh, compared to the terrain format. Because there's always that that one round, round one, where the terrain is kind of facing the wrong way. 100% agree. There's always that awkward awkward mission where you're kind of like, what do I do with this? Uh, where's my attack points and all that based on the way the terrain's out? Um, I One of the things that really stuck out to me from last year to this year is I feel like that they're just very efficient. The times, I've never felt rushed. I never felt like stressed to get the round started or get finished. I felt like they just had a really good flow and the event really kind of you know paced itself well. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like how smooth the events are. You know, obviously the, the event staff has uh, had a lot of experience coming in and then, uh, you know, they've accrued more as it goes, but the events are very well run, very organized, very on time. Uh, you know, almost like these people do it for a living, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems that way. It seems that they're, uh, they're, they're building on their experience. They're becoming experts in the matter. One other thing I'd like to touch on before we get into your list. So we're going to New Mexico and it's like three weeks, man. It's actually not that far away. For the finale. Yeah, it is shockingly close. It's like middle of November. We're like very end of October. It's I, I'm, I'm going to see you there, Blake. Is every member of Art of War represented at the finale? Um, Not everyone, but uh, there will be a couple of us. You know who's missing? Who? Uh, your co-host. Oh, God, Brad. Oh, man. Yeah. If he does Kansas City, he can make it still. He has a he has a week to make it, man. <laughs> He's still got time, but uh, I mean, what am I going to do when I tell Brad that you forgot about him? Is uh, Vanilla did Vanilla make it? Uh, Anthony didn't either. There's there's a couple who Vanilla could make it too, though. There's a lot of people in the mix that could possibly sneak one in there. But you have um, you know Siegler, Jack, me, you. Nick will be there doing his commentary thing. Um, you got Ganyo's there. Ganyo will be there in my track. He'll be on the overall track. So pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, that's your problem, not mine. I don't want to play against all the other pets. I'm just hoping it seems like it's going to be random. So because they can't really be like, oh, well, this event is clearly the number one event. This one's the number like eight or whatever. So I'm hoping it's just random pairings and Ganyo just avoids me for like the entire time. because This list is so nasty. <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on, Blake. You know, you want to play against those riptides with your knights. Nothing bad's going to happen. It'll be fine. Just roll some five ups. I tell you that I am undefeated versus Tau with my knights and i have no idea how i literally do not know what's happening but every now and then like i run the the advanced charge variant you know and i'll just somehow just hit like a 10 inch charge turn one i'm like oh that was lucky every time so I'm, i feel like i'm blessed for Tau. so uh maybe we'll see that is a superpower i wish i had <laughs> Well, let's get into the list, man. So you've ran some pretty, you've been running this since April. So you're the OG on Kraken. And I'd like to uh, give us give us a rundown of this list you got. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the list ends up as a double patrol. Uh, so it's a double patrol of Kraken. And I've got one CP to start when we're all said and done. Uh, what this ends up looking like then is uh, the first, uh, I'll kind of break down uh, all at once. So my HQ slots, I've got two Hive Tyrants and a Neurothrope. The first tyrant is on foot. He's my warlord. His warlord trait is direct guidance to give a core unit plus one to hit. He's carrying a typical heavy venom cannon and uh, bone sword with no relics. Next up is a flying hive tyrant, also carrying a, uh, a bone sword. But this one does indeed come with a relic. Uh, he's carrying the Reaper of Obliterax. Oh, and yeah. uh, 
you know what? That thing just got a balance patch update after uh, after Chicago, so it wasn't a play for the event. But I'll go ahead and tell you that uh, I am still keeping it in the list. Uh, no world of trade on him. He is just carrying the Reaper. Next Let me insert my Reaper. Brad. Let me insert my Brad comment here. Uh, Brad mm-hmm. would say, "Oh, when you open battle, uh, when you open up battle scribe, battle scribe, it just auto populates. It auto populates. You auto populate with that guy. There you go. Okay, there's my Brad. Yeah, comment. you're right. Uh, it auto populates the Reaper, and he's not. I'm not taking him out. <laughs> I'm not taking him out until GW makes me. Uh, Neurothrope with no no CP uh, investment, just uh, a collection of good spells. Uh, going through the troops, I have two, just two. I have a ten man squad of gargoyles, and then a very humble, uh, just a warrior squad. But it is a three man warrior squad with. Uh, a single venom cannon just the only five point upgrade just a small little three man not taking big brick not really investing in them i just need to fill a troop slot uh going down the line through my elites this is where it gets a little more interesting i have two units of tyrant guard uh which uh, do not take up a slot because they're each in a detachment with a uh, hive tyrant then i've got two units of zone throws one of which does not take up a slot because it's in the same detachment as a neurothrope. Uh, then I've got a unit of venom throws. So I've got uh, got like five different three-man uh, big boy units that just all like big chunky infantry. Uh, going down into fast attacks, I have two units of five raveners, one with scything talons, one with rending claws, death spitters all around. Then it, the Parasite of Mortrex with my last CP, that is a uh, Warlord trait, and that is Alien Cunning, which makes him objective secured, count as five models, and he gets to do actions even if he advanced or fell back. Super useful as a banner raiser. Uh, finally, I have my favorite part of the list, the Spore Mine Generators. That is a unit of three Biovores and a fortification slot. Uh, so yeah, there was a third attachment, I lied. And uh, that is a fortification network with a singular Spore Assist. What does that do? Uh, the Spore Assist makes Spore Mines. Uh, the Spore Assist is a fortification that uh, Horde deploys 12 inches away from my post deployment zone slash models, meaning I usually shove it in a corner somewhere and let it uh, pump the factory. And what it does is an, an action that completes at the end of my movement phase. And uh, when it completes the action, I place a unit of six Spore Mines wholly within 18 of the Spore Assist, more than six away from the enemy. So I usually deploy it uh, behind a wall somewhere far away, and then I use it to kind of seed an area with Spore Mines and make it very inconvenient to approach. Uh, a fun little note on the Spore Assist for the GW events, because this is very relevant, is that Games Workshop ruled that when you place a fortification on their terrain format, you measure the three inches away from terrain that it has to be from the physical ruin walls, not from the area terrain base. So, for example, if you have a 12 by 12 square, a, uh, some ruins on the front, you could put it 0.1 inches away from the 12 by 12 base as long as it's three inches away from the physical walls. So you could just put that thing right in that uh, right in that little L shape and just pump yep. spores into it. I could put it in the L shape and pump the spore mines forward, or I could put what normally happens is that I put it right behind the twelve by twelve square, and I just uh, kind of fill the the ruin up with spore mines or. Uh, mid or late game, I'll kind of drop them forwards. And then you say, oops, here's a bunch of spores that have been behind a wall all game. Yeah, it's just my little uh, balloon parade. That's great. Yeah, it's a super fun list. Um, that's everything that's in it. Uh, but it's uh, very fast moving as Kraken. And uh, for the record, uh, my adaptive trait with Kraken, I kept the Kraken trait in it, which means that I advanced D3 plus 3 on the army rather than rolling a standard D6. That's awesome. I'll, I'm excited to talk about this in the Blakening part two. It's not the Bradening. It's the Blakening this time because we are we have, we have oh, no Brad. Good. That's good. Yeah, the Blake. It's, uh, Blake is all I need. Blake's all you need, man. That's all you need. But I'm going to talk about Ben Sherwin's list here. This is not my forte. Brad normally does this. So everyone just bear with me as I speak this list. So Ben Sherwin brought us some Emperor's Children. He brought it in an HQ slot. He has a Demon Prince with wings. He comes with the Flames of Spite. He has the Hellforge Sword. He has the Marcus Lanesh. It looks like he took Prescience with that. And then for a Relic, he took, oh God, Thayerus and Ryle, the Rasperus and wings. I don't know what that is, but it has a name that I don't know how to say it. So 
if you need yeah. to look that up, that's what it is. And then he also took a Dark Apostle who has um, Illusionary Supplication, Marcus Slanesh, Raminate Repulsive, and then he has uh, he's his Warlord. And then he has a Master Possession with Cursed Earth and Marcus Slanesh. Looks like Pact of Flesh as well. Uh, for troops, he took, looks like, five noise, noise Marines, five more Noise Marines, and then... Again, five more, five more, five more, five more. He filled those up. There's six slots of noise marines in there. So he brought all the noise. In elites, he brought a master of execution who has the mantle of traitors and Marcus Lanesh. He has a unit of ten possessed who have the black rune of damnation, the big bad, minus one to damage, and then truth trophies of the long war. And then the fast slot looks like he has a big old unit of bikers, a small unit of bikers. Looks like he only has three in there, probably just to go out and harass. And then he has two solo chaos spawns and then a chaos rhino. What do you yeah. think? Uh, that was the list that uh, that ended up taking me down and ending my run, unfortunately. I played a wonderful game against Ben on the uh, the GW stream, actually, in the semifinals round. Uh, we both made it to top four, and we're both 6-0 when we played. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm on Unbroken, he's not, and that means that <laughs> Ben ends up winning this game. Uh, but it was a very, very close game, and uh, certainly one where a lot of decision points and you know, a lot of rolls went back and forth on both sides. Certainly, could it was a game that felt like it could go anyway until the final moment. Which you know, if you're going to lose, uh, you like it to be in a nice, good, uh, dramatic game. And if anyone wanted to watch it, as a matter of fact, I believe the Games Workshop stream you can go back and rewatch. But it yeah, was on their their Twitch channel. So uh, if, if anyone wanted to go back and uh, see the game after they listened to both parts of this episode, uh, by all means, uh, GW Stream is where it's at. 100. Um, percent What mission were y'all playing for this one, John? It was it would have been the sixth mission on the day. Yep. Uh, so we ended up playing Mission 33, which is uh, the moving objective ones. I actually don't remember if it's still called Priority Targets or not, but it's definitely Mission 33, the okay. one where they move. I'm pretty sure that's Priority Targets. Um, yeah, so uh, oh, where do you want me to start? Where did you, So you look across the table, and do you think this is a good, bad, or kind of neutral matchup for you as far as army to army? Oof, uh, this hurts because I obviously uh, ended up losing it. But going in, I actually thought that I had a fairly good matchup into it. Um, I was a little bit nervous. Not not nervous. I was cautious because I have not played against Emperor's Children yet. Uh, this was my first, I think this was my first game in Emperor's Children. Um, uh, no one at the, in, you know, at the house uh, you know, where I stream and work uh, runs Emperor's Children, so I hadn't played against them yet. Um, I had done a lot of prep when the book was coming out for WTC, an event which did not use the Chaos Space Marine Codex, so I kind of ignored it on release. And then I just kind of, by pure happenstance, hadn't played against it at a tournament yet. I played against Creations of Bile. I knew CSM rules, but I hadn't played Emperor's Children, and I I didn't. I just need to make sure that I was messing it up. But going in, thought that it was a slightly favorable matchup. I thought that I had better than 50-50 odds to win going in. Okay. And what is your game plan? You see his list. What are the secondaries you're choosing, and what are you expecting him to choose, and what did he actually choose on the secondaries? Yeah, absolutely. So what I ended up taking here, uh, my game plan with Tyranids is, frankly, the fact that Tyranids don't have good secondaries. I ended up taking, I believe, No Prisoners, as well as um, Warp Ritual and Raise the Banners. My army is quite good at raising banners. Um, so I, I figured that, uh, that's basically always a safe bet. Um, and then, um, no prisoners army gave up a, a respectable score. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but, uh, I, I often alternate between, uh, cranial feasting and, uh, no prisoners, depending on what my opponent gives up. In this case, I decided to go for, um, for, uh, no prisoners because, uh, cranial feasting involves killing characters in combat. And I know that his characters have a strat for making me fight last. So I decided I probably didn't want to kill too many characters in combat anyway. Uh, because charging them with an alien is just like fighting last and then maybe not killing them. That sounds terrible. So I decided to go with no prisoners. 
And then Warp Ritual is uh, all reliable. I take Warp Ritual just oh, yeah. out of every game. Yeah. Um, I was a... Uh, my game plan with this list is to always dominate primary and do enough on secondaries to pull out the win. Uh, the list is designed as a primary control, not a not a, a secondary bruiser like Necrons, where I'm scoring 45 every time. That's unfortunately just not how it works. Um, I was kind of expecting him to take similarly aggressive uh, secondaries, because I, I think his army is also trying to win on primary more than secondaries. Uh, I was expecting him to take the long war where you take objectives over, and um, I was expecting him to take uh, no prisoners, and then something like banners. And I think I hit two out of three of those. I think he took uh, Psychic Interrogation instead of the Long War. Okay. Uh, which is probably fair. That it gave him a little bit more agency to sit back, where the Long War very much requires him to come forward and start killing me. So, you know, fair call on his part. I can kind of see why he took it after seeing how the game played out. Tell me, when you when you started to deploy, who went first? And how did you how do you deploy versus army with your army? Yeah, so um, uh, I know that uh, I ended up having first turn, and um, I don't remember who deployed first. All I remember is that um, uh, I moved the first objective, and because this is uh, the one where you move objectives, this is actually uh, going to be one of the points that I talk about a lot on why I think I lost this game. And one of the things that ended up happening was that I um, I dragged out his objective first, so. With uh, priority targets or with this mission, uh, there's kind of a, um, a situation with the GW ruins where there's four objectives not in the center, and they're all right smack dab in the middle of a ruin with walls in front of it. Yeah. And if I and I kind of have this choice, I'm moving the first objective. If I pull out the one on his side, then I can pull it outside the wall, and that means that I can smite and shoot and whatever onto whatever uh, objective that is pulled out. And then he'll move two. He'll hide the one in his deployment zone even further, and then he'll grab the one uh, that's my that's on my side, and he'll pull it out so that if if I want to be on it, I can get shot and smited and charged easily, etc. So it's kind of that choice where I'm going first. I can pull mine back first, and then he's going to cover his own. And then we're going to have both objectives behind walls, and we're not going to be able to interact with each other's objectives. And if I pull one out, he's going to pull one out, and then we're going to each have one hidden objective, one that is easily interacted with, and we're going to have a lot more ability to influence each other's primary. So it's kind of like, is is a neutral state better for me or an aggressive state? I decided I wanted to go with forced interactions. Part of that was because I wasn't. I figured his secondary game plan, again, I kind of assumed he was going to take a long war, or this was an error on my part. And I thought that his secondaries were going to be just weak enough that he had to come out to me. And I thought that I would do better in that exchange. Where he gets to hit me, I get to hit him. I'm like, ah, my army does a bunch of mortals. Chaos doesn't like mortals. I think I'm getting the better of this deal. So I decided to pull his objective out. He matched me, as, as I expected. And we ended up both being able to hit each other primary a lot, rather than neither of us getting to hit each other's primary a lot. And you like to play primary. I Exactly. I'm a primary control army. So, again, without having practiced this matchup, um, and frankly, I actually hadn't uh, played this mission that often, because um, uh, I, I, I went to a tournament one week before Chicago, uh, the, the Crucible Open, and I won it, and this was one of the missions that they were not using. Yeah. And I hadn't had a chance to play a ton of practice games with this list, so I actually hadn't played Kraken on this mission yet, uh, or at least not in like the past four months. Right. And then I had not played against Everest Children, period. So I, I kind of made some assumptions on how the game was going to go, because I hadn't had the reps yet to really be certain with it, based on what my army does. I'm like, eh, my army's really good at primary control. I don't, I know his is designed for it, but I don't know if it's as good as mine. I'm going to go ahead and, and make the call that we're going to both get to hit each other's primary rather than neither of us get to hit each other's yeah. primary. I thought that benefited me. How does the game? How does the game work out? So you start round one and kind of walk me through what happens. Okay, so the way that the game kind of started out, round one, um, I ended up going first. This is not something I wanted. Um, I go first. I step one tyrant guard out onto the objective that he can see 
It's a four. He explains the stat lines of his blast masters. Um, they're four damage. I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. So I step out a tyrant guard and I put catalyst on them. I'm like, okay, he's got four damage. Uh, I've got a two up armor. I'll get cover as well. So I'm getting a, a four up save against AP three. And then with catalyst up, I, um, I'll uh, try to do it this way so that I, uh, you know, I, I've got a five of female pain. He's four damage on four wounds. It'll take multiple failed saves to kill each tyrant guard. And I was thinking like, okay, so if it takes two to kill each tyrant guard, I have to fail six saves probably to lose the squad. That means he needs to get 12 wounds on me. He's got 18 shots that hit on threes, wound on threes, not a ton of rerolls. I probably live through this. And uh, actually, I apologize. That was turn two. I also put a unit of gargoyles out on the objective first. I have to put the gargoyles out first. Same thing. I put catalyst on them. Just one model on with the logic that if he kills some of them, I'll pull out a line of sight and use a stratum to grow back on the objective like man phase and get the primary anyway. That's so annoying. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it is really annoying, but it's great. And I love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I didn't really do much. I just like set up some spore mines and I was like, and I'm going to wait. And I just like put like a unit of venom throats up behind a wall like not really doing anything, just kind of being like annoying and just being there because they have a fight last uh, on a three up. So it's like, yeah, if he charges me, I'll get a couple dinks in. And I like, I wrapped them in spore mine. So if he charged me, he's going to take a, a couple mortals going in. Like, and he, he wasn't super aggressively deployed. So I was like, yeah, if he, if he tries it, he'll take some mortals and then we'll, then I'll, then I'll make him fight last. And then I'll hit him with some poison two up stuff. And like, if he sends something to kill me, it'd have to be a big resource and I'll trade that for three venom throws. If he sends something little, I'll beat him up and I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and very passive turn one for me. And, uh, just raise my banners. Don't, don't bother getting the ritual and we call it a day. Um, his turn, he pops out one unit of noise Marines with all blast masters and he pops a stratagem to do sixes on mortals. Uh, this, again, this was a little bit of a mistake on my part. I didn't really grasp that one squad was different. Because you had six units of noise marines, and my eyes kind of blurred when I read. That's what I did I when asked, I read like, the list. Yeah, I asked, like, hey, what are the combat weapons? And like, and Ben did a good job explaining his list. This one's on me. This isn't on Ben. Um, but I didn't, like, really piece together. Because my thought was, like, oh, it's a 10-man squad on an objective. His Blastmasters are six shots. Other than that, his bull pistols. Like, he can't kill me in one activation, so I'll just be fine. And, of course, he steps out. He pops the strat to get the mortals. He gets a couple mortals, and he kills the 10 gargoyles on the dot. He gets exactly 10 down. It's that I failed the last feel no pain to keep the one alive. And if I keep one alive, that means I grow into this objective four times over the next four turns. And it's just 16 points on primary. Big deal. But uh, kind of my mistake. I, I could have uh, popped a zone throw imperative to keep them alive if I'd known, if I'd done a little bit more homework on what was coming my way. Or I could have put a second unit on so that he has a little more trouble actually getting me off that right. objective. Uh, either way, uh, again, it's a mistake on my part, but uh, that ended up costing me down to a four on primary. And um, and then on my turn, I uh, I push up the Venom Thorps go touch his home of his side objective. I uh, end up uh, beating up on a bike squad. Um, I think my Flyrant steps in the middle, kills uh, something small, like a, a Chaos Spawn or something very small, passes Warp Ritual, overruns back. And I take... A second very passive turn where I built the spore mines. I go give him a four to match the match the four he gave me. Um, and it's like, okay, you know, I got a four, he got a four. I'm building up the spore mines. I got my first ritual, like, okay. And I'm staying out of his interior, his uh, psychic interrogation range. And he misses it on turn two again. He, he missed a turn wow. one and two. Okay. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. Like, you know, he's not going to get a ton of no prisoners this way. I'm not getting a ton of no prisoners this way. But um, the problem is he has bottom of turn. So the game starts to escalate on like turn three. I send Raveners in, uh, kill a unit of Noise Marines, the one with all the um, uh, the one with all the uh, the Sonic Blasters. He's trading back and forth as well. He uh, um, again, his Noise Marines. I put the Tyrant Guard out this on turn two with Catalyst up. Uh, the two Noise Marines, like two Blastmasters, kill the entire squad. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> like I was thinking, like five Blastmasters probably don't do it. Two did it. I'm like, oh. 
oh no no um like i, I lost that tyrant guard unit way faster than i was expecting what are the tyrant uh, guard what's their buffs uh noise marines no the uh tyrant guard how tough are they uh their toughness six two up armor goes to a one up in cover four wounds a piece five of feel no pain Ooh, like just yeah. naturally uh, the five of feel no pain was a spell but i did have the spell on them at the oh time. that is a catalyst Catalyst. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they're minus one to hit as well, but he's Emperor's Children, so he ignores this, so I didn't bother setting it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he just kills the squad. I'm like, oh man, that's a, a second four on a primary. I was I was really thinking I was going to have some eights in here. And uh, I think what I needed to do was uh, just commit and put like five things on that objective at that point and just be like, F it. You're not killing five units at once. I'm getting a primary. Right. Uh, but I, I think I positioned it poorly. I kept my units a little bit too close to the center because he had a scary threat range on his potentially advancing and charging um, uh, Slanesh units. Uh, so I ended up like kind of building up the spore mine wall. There's a point where I go hit his objective and give him a, another four with uh, the uh, uh, the Parasite of Mortrex, who's obsec. And she goes in on like a turn, my turn uh, four, I think, with um, some Raveners. And I end up uh, killing the possessed squad down to the man. Like, I think I like completely wiped them off. Um, and he kills a couple Raveners back with a fight on Death Strat. Uh, he has one spawn who uh, survives. Uh, the spawn kills. Uh, I can test the objective. The spawn comes and hits the last Ravener and survives in combat. And the spawn being kept alive means that he denies me my. Uh, he gives me a third four on primary. And like, oh, I, I had one Ravener hidden on twos, rolling ones. It gets five hits. I wound on threes. The spawn is four wounds. I may be four. Uh, I need to get four wound rolls through there. I spent a CP on it, but I didn't quite get there. I got three, ah. and uh, the spawn lived, and he tied the objective again. And it was like, oh man, like I really thought I was going to be getting more uh, more than four points on primary. And I think I was being a little too passive, where I was. I think I needed to push the pace more because he had the bottom of the turn. And I kind of realized this a little bit too late. Uh, the the psychics, uh, the kind of the psychic secondary war. Uh, was going not as great as I wanted. Um, he he managed to deny my ritual one turn, where I think I rolled a 10, and he just dropped an 11 on me and stopped it. And I was like, dang, I was hoping to get that. Uh, I still ended up getting all three rituals by the end of the game. I think I got it turns 2, 4, 5. Um, but he got his interrogate on turn 3, 4, 5. I had my deny the witch. I uh, tried to spend some CP to reroll it, but I never quite got it denied past his casts. So he got 9 on interrogate. I got 12 on ritual. My banners, I think, sat at a clean 10. I raised 2 turn 1. I might have gotten to an 11, but I'm pretty sure it was just a 10 the whole game. I tore down his banner, so I had a little bit of an edge there because I tore it down when I kept pushing to give him fours, uh, whereas he was never pushing onto my objective to give me fours, merely killing my units off of them. The With guns, he wasn't actually getting onto them. So uh, then it was kind of down to the no prisoners, and the no prisoners were tight, but I think favored him by just a smidge. And it was pretty close, though, because I still had a decent amount of units alive. Uh, so like the secondaries were really tight. And then uh, the game end come, came down to the fact that he managed to get the 12 at the bottom of the turn. Um, I actually was able to deny him his uh, his bonus primary on one turn, which was priority target, hold your priority objective, get three points. I got mine all five turns. I managed to deny him once, keep him to a 12 on it on the bonus instead of the 15. Uh, gave him a bunch of fours, but he had a 12 at the end. And I had four fours on primary. <laughs> I don't think I got an eight on it. Uh, he had a lot more obsec than me, and uh, and I lost some of my obsec early when I lost the raveners or the uh, the gargoyles. And my warriors never got in a good position to influence objectives, so I was basically playing the game without obsec, other than the parasite. And that ended up being a, a big deal as well because he was able to swing objectives uh, just by getting one noise marine on. I don't, he, um, I outnumber him. He's obsec. I'm not. He takes the objective, and I don't have a ton of heroic strats. I, I don't have any action. I just have heroics off of a tyrant three inches. Um, there's another critical point where he he got a demon prince into my hive tyrant, and again, uh, I think I I wasn't uh, as thorough in the list reading process as I needed to be. 
I didn't realize what the Demon Prince did in combat, and unfortunately, it was plus 2d3 attacks with reroll wounds, <laughs> which is a bad thing to be wrong about. So that, that guy came in, he uh, he cleaned my, my flyer straight out, uh, took, him, took him from 12 to 0 in one shot. Uh, really big swing, really well played by Ben. I fought on death, picked up the Demon Prince as well to you know make it a trade, but still, uh, frankly, the Demon Prince is less valuable than the flyer. Uh, a trade there benefits Ben more than it benefits me, yeah. especially because he got two CP out of me in the process. Um, I built up the Spore Mines a lot. The Spore Mines were great. They uh, are what ended up cracking the Possessed Brick, because even though it had uh, um, uh, the 5 of Female Pain from Delightful Agonies, there was a point where I got to hit the Possessed with like a solid 8 or 10 Spore Mines at once, and then smite it, and I got it from like a 10-man to a 2-man, and then the 2-man died in combat to the Ravners, through oh, minus nice. 1 to wound. That's the point where I'm like, yeah, minus 1 to wound, well, you only have 6 wounds left, here's 25 hits, and we'll see how you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was, a, it was a really tough game, but, uh, in the end, uh, I think he got me by about three points right on the last turn. Again, it came down to, you know, the last psychic ritual. It came down to the last 12 on primary, the last priority target, every little thing mattered. And it just got him over me, uh, on the final score really well played by Ben. Again, you know, I, I certainly feel like I blew some opportunities and made some mistakes, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that Ben uh, played a, a very good game. I feel like people need to go back and watch that one. It sounds like an exciting game of 40 K actually. Yeah, I, I was told by uh, the commentators uh, that uh, that it was a very good game to watch. So I'm yeah, I'm glad we put on a good show. You know, I always uh, I'll always wish that I got a different result, but uh, still happy that uh, we put on a good uh, and hopefully fun uh, stream. Yeah, I think you can find it on Twitch. So for those out there listening, go check it out. Listen to this game. I'm I'm excited to go watch it myself. Um, my last question for you, John, on part one. This is my question. I always steal from Brad, so it makes me sad to say at the end of the episode. But over the course of the weekend, who's your MVP and what units on the chopping block? Uh, see, this is the sad part because uh, I know that this is Brad's question, and I was actually hoping to steal it from him. Oh, even here. oh I had a, I had a plan to steal that. Um, all right, so uh, MVP of the weekend and who's on the chopping block? So MVP for the weekend, uh, I'm gonna give it to. I mean, like it'd be too obvious to say the Reaper of Obliterax because he's a known quantity. Like, yeah, yeah, the Reaper was good. We know that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that my MVP of the weekend yeah. is because the spore assist is like my little pet, like tech piece. It's like, it's something I'm like, you don't really see spore assist that often. I loved it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this work. Um, and I was very happy that I had him and he, he did great. He made spore mines every round. He has never died. Um, I've uh, now played uh 14. Um, I've played 14 tournament games with it. He hasn't died yet. I love him. Spore assist is awesome. And he's he's also like my my pet. He's like my little pet unit, you know. Where yeah. like he's like kind of a meme because it's like, oh yeah, man, just like all sport minds all the time. But he's a meme that's really good. He's not a meme yeah. where he's like a bad unit that I take for fun. He's a great unit that I love because he's super fun to play with, and I just love making sport minds. So sport minds are my MVP, and by extension, the spore assist for being my favorite stupid little fortification. Yeah, I love putting fortifications on my list. It's fun as hell. What's on chopping block? Uh chopping block for me. Um, this is hard like i i'm not really planning on changing the list uh if someone were to be cut i would say it's the walking hive tyrant because he didn't really do anything in any of my games but like for the points i pay he's good yeah i i I, he's my the main thing he does if i'm being honest is he's my warlord so that the flyer can go die and he scares if i lose if i lose my warlord i lose my imperatives and so a second tyrant makes the flyer and not have to be my warlord because I have to take a hive tyrant as my warlord. Yeah. So I just take a flyer in and he goes out and kills someone and dies. Then my opponent's like, oh, look at that. Your imperatives are gone. You no longer have a pure army bonus. I'm like, 
yeah, no, I really just don't anymore. So I like the, the Walker just sits there and keeps it running, but it's not, he doesn't do anything himself. He's just existing being a support caster and like, Hey, he'll go beat up someone who gets close to him. Do you like a relic gun? I'm going to talk. That's a, that's a, that's a part two question. I'm going to talk about the relic. I don't, gun. I don't take a relic gun. I know you don't. That's well, we're going into, we're going into the blakening now, man. Everyone. All right, I'm ready for the blakening. It, we already had a blakening. Actually, I did a blakening with Oliver, with Oliver, man, me and Oliver had a one-on-one also. So, Everyone buckle in for this. It's going to be good. Thanks for listening, everybody. John, thanks for being here. Everyone, check out our other content at theartofwar40k.com. Check out the other podcast. We have The Art of War Vanilla with Nick Navadi and Paul Murphy. We have the very, very, very Australian Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the flavor didn't know you loved till you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com.